Welcome to the battle this morning. We are going to uh, begin our service by singing Come Let Us Worship. Come let us worship the King of Kings, the creator of all things. Let your soul arise to him. That's why we're here this morning. We're here to worship our God. We're here to worship uh, his son, our Lord and Saviour. So uh, this is kind of an exhortation to each other, a call to worship. So if you'll stand and sing this with me, that would be lovely. Thank you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you again for the sunshine. Thank you for this, our family, this family of your children here at the Bethel. Um, and we thank you that we can meet together this morning. We, we have gathered to, to praise you and to worship you and to praise your son and to remember his sacrifice and just to spend a quiet hour um, away from all the, the madness of the world that we live in, just in, in some special time with you. And we pray that you will be here with us this morning and that you'll bless us and that you'll fill us with your spirit um, as we read your word and, and listen uh, to your words are spoken through our brother. Um, and as we, as we sing our praise and as we sit in quiet, in contemplation of you and of your love and mercy, please fill us and please bless us. And for those who are still on their way, Father, we pray that you'll bring, uh, bring them here safely this morning. Thank you for everything that you do for us, and thank you for your presence here now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Say, say something. We're going to sing another, uh, another hymn. This time, more of a prayer about why we're here. Lord, when we meet to worship Thee, before us let Thy glory pass. Proclaim Thy mercy, rich and free. In Jesus, may we see Thy face. That's that's what this is all about. That's why we're here, isn't it? So. Uh, Excuse me, thank you. That, that, that is my prayer this morning, that we will each feel God's wondrous love. I'm going to ask Steve to come and do the announcements. Elaine has provided our care news for this week. Mary has had a bad week. She's been suffering a lot of pain, which is probably sciatica. She and Jack managed to go on holiday with Norman and Margaret, but it was made more challenging with her pain. Liz, Martin and baby Jack are all doing well, if not a little tired. They are enjoying God's blessing of family life. Dorothy has to go into hospital tomorrow for an operation to have some cysts removed. She's going to be in hospital for at least a week and will be recuperating at home for six weeks. So her and Philip will need our prayers and practical support over the next few weeks. We pray the operation goes well and that God will guide the surgeon's hands. One was in hospital on Thursday for an operation. We think he's out now, but we've got no further details. Um, so please get in touch with Juan and find out how he's doing. Hannah and Dolly are here today, but Hannah's not feeling very comfortable. Um, she's got a lot going on. They are over in crash, so please try and catch up with them today if you can. We also remember Christine and Gladys and Marion, who need our support in various ways. Thank you, Neil. We're going to have our pastoral prayer now. If um, anybody has anything they'd like me to mention in that prayer, now is the time to let me know, please. Our heads, we'll, we'll pray. Father, again, we come before you to thank you for, uh, for your being a part of our lives. Um, it's, a, it's a privilege to be a part of this family. 
um, and we know you bless us in so many ways but with privilege comes responsibility and and Father we want to pray now for um, those members of our family who are who are perhaps not not well or not able to be with us we know that you know what's going on um, and we pray that you'll help us to be a good support for them and to help them in whatever way we can whether that's um, physical needs or, or just being, being there for them help us to, uh, to be better at being Jesus to them we think now of uh, Mary um, we pray that you'll help take her pain away and support her and Jack um, and Norman and Margaret uh, who we don't see very often please be with them and bless them we pray for Juan um, following his hospital spell and pray that you'll heal him we pray for Dorothy as she goes into hospital um, as Steve said we pray that you'll guide the surgeon's hands and that um, that you will bless those people who are going to care for her and help us to care for her and for Philip in the coming weeks we pray for Dan and Danielle um, as they have a difficult time please help them to know your presence and uh, help us to do um, whatever we might be able to do to, to help them we pray for Emma you know Emma Father please please bless her and comfort her and help her to um, to come through the turmoil, the struggle that she's having at the moment. And we pray that you'll help her to know your love really strongly. We pray for Pearlene's friend John and his family. Again, help them to know your your care and your love. And uh, we pray you'll be with Christine following her operation, that you'll uh, bring her healing quickly and, and help her not to, um, not to hurt so much. And there are others, Father. Please, please bless everyone who... who uh, whose needs you know, who we may not have mentioned, who we may not even be aware of, um, and help us to be family to them. And Father, we pray for the Fellowship Weekend. Um, we want to tell people in the area about your love and about your mercy and about the great news um, that there is in your Bible. And we pray that you will give us the strength and the energy and the, uh, the drive to do that uh, as enthusiastically as we can and we, we do pray Father that on that Sunday afternoon you might give us a sunny day to encourage people to come out and hear uh, all about your gospel we also pray for all the other things that we're doing in this church in your name and pray for your rich blessing um, on everything we do give us, give us the strength that we need and the energy that we need uh, to tell people about you here in Old Trafford please bless us in Jesus name Amen I'm going to read uh, from Luke chapter 20, and I've asked Charlotte if she'll lead us in that. Thank you, Charlotte. Luke chapter 20. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you're doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, 
If we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers and went away for a long time. At harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, May this never be! Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that he might hand, they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose portrait and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public, and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her, and in the same way the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? 
Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the Lord, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus said to them, How is it that they say the Christ is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Thank you, Charlotte. Peter's going to talk to us shortly um, and understand about Jesus, which is... Is good. We're here to remember Jesus this morning. We just read about how the, the parable of the tenants, how God has sent Jesus to to show us how much uh, He loves us. And before Peter does talk to us, we're going to sing together. Lord Jesus Christ, You have come to us. You are one with us. And this this song uh, praises Him for for a number of things He's done for us: cleansing our souls from sin, filling our lives with goodness filling our, our lives with, with his power as well. So if you'll stand and, and join me in singing. Well, it's great to have Peter here with us. Father, please bless Peter this morning. Help him to, to speak your words and teach us and encourage us as you would have him do. Bless him richly, Lord. Amen. Thanks, Peter. My dear brothers and sisters, I don't know whether you noticed that reading from Luke 20 is exactly the reading we should do today because in the chapter before it was all about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the way that people put the palms down and they rejoiced and and they sang, uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and at that time, they were getting ready for Passover, just as the Jews even today are, are getting ready for Passover. And uh, Rosie and I at breakfast time were talking about your Bible class this week, uh, and you had a reenactment of the Passover. And uh, part of that is um, looking at um, Psalms 113 to 118, uh, and Jesus actually latched onto this in, in this chapter. He, he, he referred to um, the psalm uh, that was probably, I'm sure they must have been thinking about these psalms as, as the Jewish community in the world today is, is thinking about it. And I'd like to take you 
to that chapter. Let's just have a look. Um, Luke 20 and um, Jesus takes one of the verses, this is actually from Psalm 118 in, in verse 17 of Luke 20. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And like so many things Jesus said, they were pivotal statements. On one hand, people would rejoice and, and, and show this wonderful acceptance of him as their saviour. And yet at the other hand, you had this other group of people that were doing the exact opposite. They saw Jesus as a stumbling block, as a, as a rock of offence. And, and uh, this was a rebuke to the, uh, the Pharisees and the people that were around him. In verse 18, Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomsoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And, and in a very powerful statement, Jesus was saying that if they are offended by him, it will destroy them. And then he was also, this is actually a dual statement, because he was also talking about his kingship. Because they would have known their scriptures, and they would have known about the passage in Daniel, with Daniel's image and the, the stone coming down and grinding the human system to powder. And momentous things were happening. Later on, the temple was going to be destroyed. Uh, it's all about stones being broken and, and Jesus was bringing this wonderful message of salvation and, and it was either, you couldn't stand on the fence, at, uh, even today of course you can't stand on the fence, you either accept the Lord as your saviour or you reject him ultimately and so it was then and the contrast was absolutely amazing and, and I've been thinking a lot about this recently that Jesus was having one-to-one -one conversations all the time. He was fielding all sorts of questions. Just look at this chapter. They, they came to him trying to trap him with, with, about giving tax to Caesar. Uh, they, all sorts of things about uh, uh, how he would react to uh, various beliefs they had and, and, and approaches they made to him. And amongst all that, there was also those that were genuinely reaching out to him. Um, I think you can perhaps think, uh, I think it's in Mark 10, when the rich young man came uh, to Jesus and he comes to him and he says, what good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? You see, now he's got the wrong approach and, and Jesus sent him away sorrowing because he didn't come to Jesus crying out, uh, for salvation, he didn't have a need because of his. Uh, it was he was a very nice young man, but he was wanting his self righteousness to be rubber stamped. What Jesus was looking for, he, and even today, Jesus is exactly the same. He's looking for those that are crying out in their humanity, who have a crying need, who recognise their mortality that see Jesus as their saviour. So the two things that we need to have, firstly contrition and secondly faith. And so 
when Jesus, think of the examples, we've been given many. Uh, perhaps the leper coming up to Jesus is one example. Uh, none of us perhaps have experienced leprosy, but we do experience the other things. Those people, and I've only heard in the last week of, of uh, my aunt uh, having uh, cataracts. Now if you had eye trouble, you would understand the blind man crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. You, you see, that you are touched by, by the feeling of your humanity in this situation. Other people, it will be difficulty with relationships. And they will look at someone like the woman uh, of Samaria. Remember the woman that Jesus had the conversation at, at the well? He shouldn't have been speaking to her. That wasn't the done thing in those days, and perhaps not even today. She was a common-looking woman, perhaps heavily made up, uh, standing at the well. She was a Samaritan. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. She was a woman. She, they were there on their own. And yet Jesus spoke to her. And he knew about her troubled past. He knew that she wasn't married at the moment, all sorts of difficulties. So if you've had a relationship problem, that particular encounter with Jesus would give you tremendous hope because Jesus personally offered her the water of life. And she, she felt so encouraged by that. And even in her state that she was in, he saw in this woman contrition and he saw faith. And those were the things he was looking for. And even the woman caught in adultery, I think we're beginning to build up a portrait here of Jesus, what sort of man he was and is. The woman caught in adultery flung at Jesus' feet. Now, you might think, well, she was in the worst condition, the worst possible state to be in uh, approaching the Master. And yet, he forgave her and gave her hope. It was the Pharisees who weren't able to, for their own conscience sake, pick up the stones to stone her and they walked away from Jesus. They were in the difficult position. And so Jesus constantly showed this, on the one hand, the, 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 the compassion and the salvation. On the other hand, he rebuffed the, the hypocrites and the self-righteous. Now, I'd like to go, um, I think Jesus had in mind um, a passage in Isaiah. If you, if you come with me um, to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8, and I'm sure he was quoting from this when he spoke about this, uh, the stumbling stone. And it's in the verse which says, on one hand, he will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. So at the same time, he was a sanctuary to some people, and yet to others, he was a rock of offence. He was the altar stone to some, and yet he was this terrible stumbling block because of their arrogance, because they didn't see him in the right way. And um, this kept on happening, so much so that... Uh, people were drawn into two categories. And even those that had very strong views 
were converted, weren't they? And of course the, the, the supreme example is the Apostle Paul. He was fervently against the Christians. He was hell-bent on, on persecuting them. And then on that wonderful Damascus Road experience, he had an encounter, a one-to-one -one conversation with the risen Lord. And it wasn't just a vision. Jesus actually spoke to him. The risen Lord spoke to him. And, and, and of course that coloured his life. And he, we spoke about blindness. His issue was blindness, wasn't it? He, he, that's how he understood his humanity. And, and he, he was in that darkness for three days. And I believe the thorn in the Apostle Paul's flesh was to do with his eyesight. Is there, I won't go into the evidence now, but there are, there are passages that support this view. And it was necessary. He sought the Lord three times, we are told, for to be cured. And, and he wasn't. And there was a reason for it. God wanted him to experience his need. And I think it's the same for all of us. And it's different for you, it's different for me. In my case, I've learnt about humanity and I've learnt suffering, not in my own health, but that of my son. I have a, many of you will know, I have a son who for the last 12 to 13 years has got a very serious, apparently incurable mental illness. And believe you me, it exercises you. It creates a hunger in you. It, it want, you desire what God has to offer, what the Lord Jesus has to offer. And even though you may be like the Apostle Paul uh, with a thorn in your flesh, you have a vision of deliverance. And so it was with so many of these people. And I don't know what your circumstances are. It may well be a relationship. Uh, Every year it seems, the, the problems of marriage breakdown, the sorrow of, of relationship problems are, are, are bringing people to a realisation of their great need and the fact that we're not perfect and we need, we need our Saviour. We're crying out like that blind man, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. We are all in the same boat and yet we are all met by this wonderful Saviour. And I think the wonderful thing about the Apostle Paul is that he gives us an insight in, into the character of the Lord Jesus. Um, and, and, and after his conversion, he, it wasn't, that wasn't the only time he had a conversation. And, and, and he gave, if you look at his writings and, and the Acts of the Apostles, um, descriptions and so on we, we get a wonderful picture of Jesus coming alongside him um, I think you can remember the one occasion when, when he was making his way through Galatia and, and, and he was setting his mind to uh, preaching in a, in a place called Bithynia which is actually uh, south of, of, of the uh, of the Black Sea, and, and he'd set his mind, yes, we're all going to go over there and preach. Then all of a sudden, Jesus himself spoke to him, and, and, uh, and, and you remember that time we had, he had the vision of, of the man in Macedonia calling him, uh, and, and he did a complete U-turn and went across from Troas to Philippi, and then as he arrived there uh, in, in uh, Philippi, he, 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 the first, the very first person in Europe that
that he preached to was a woman, not a man. It was Lydia. And where was she? She was by the riverside. And she was a very formidable woman. She, was a, she had her own business. She had a household, we told. And, and she was a, a, a fantastic person to bring the, the gospel to Europe. And, and Jesus knew that. He had insight into what was needed. And think of the rich preaching effort that went on in, in, in Corinth. And, and each time, Paul creates this impression, and I'm sure it was very real to him, that Jesus was alongside him. And, and remember when he was in Corinth, the other occasion, Jesus said, uh, be of good cheer, because I have many people in the city. Corinth, it was a, on the surface of it, it was, a, it, was, it was an unlikely place for Christianity. Very immoral uh, uh, all sorts of worldly going on there, but yet there was a very strong church that was going to be founded, and and uh, he was guided by by this wonderful relationship with the Lord Jesus. And time and time again, we see it coming to the surface. Remember the time when he went back to Jerusalem, and and he was in that terrible prison, and there were uh, hundreds of Jews outside wanting to kill him. And, and, and uh, Jesus stood by him and said to him, Paul, not only are you going to preach in Jerusalem, but also in Rome. So he had a confidence. And, and that took him through all the storms, the shipwrecks. He had this vision. Now, what is the relevance for ourselves? This is the important question. You see, many people look at these things and they can almost sit in their nice, comfortable armchairs. And many of us, we have a very comfortable life. We, 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 we can be protected from a lot of things. And, and, and we, we can become almost like uh, theological students of the Bible without the heart, without being involved. And uh, the, the, the issue I want to think about this morning is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Just as Jesus was close to the Apostle Paul, he is close to us. Now, I'm still exploring this. I have to say, it, it, it's, it's a lifetime's experience, isn't it? To, to draw closer to our Lord and, and to walk with him. Um, and, and, and this is really the exercise that we, we have as, a, as, a, as disciples. And many people can... Think of the first century with all its enthusiasm and, and, and the wonderful miracles, the spirit gifts. And, and people will say to you, oh, well, that was seasonal. That, that's not so much the case now. In fact, some people say as if it's not possible. I keep an open mind on this. Miracles can still happen. Uh, the spirit gifts could still happen. We, we can't rule it out. But what we can be certain about is that the Lord Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus, is the same as it was in the time of the Apostle Paul. So, the very things that Paul tells us in his writings apply to ourselves. And, and there is a, is a wonderful uh, concept that we... Uh, there's a Greek word, pa, uh, parakletos, and, and I know it's been translated comforter, but it also is translated advocate, helper, coming alongside. I think the idea is to walk alongside somebody, to help them. 
And, and certainly the Apostle Paul gives us the, the flavour of that with his relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I, I was at your fellowship weekend last year and um, Don Graham told us about his blind friend. He used to come alongside and go for walks. Now that's the kind of picture we need to think about, to, to come alongside and, and to see um, Jesus in, in, in spiritual terms coming alongside ourselves. And I'd like to take you, uh, first of all, to um, uh, the, um, uh, the Hebrews, uh, the writing in, in, the, in the letter of the Hebrews. Come with me to, um, uh, perhaps we can go to uh, Hebrews chapter 7. Yes, let's go in at Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 24. Now this applies to the Apostle Paul and it applies to ourselves. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such is a high priest that is fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and also become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those uh, high priests to, to offer up sacrifices, first for himself and then for the people. For this he did once for all, when he offered up himself. And so, we have these wonderful words that apply to us, that we have an advocate, someone who is close to us. Now, in um, Hebrews chapter 2, we have a wonderful uh, couple of verses, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath been, has been tempted, and that word can also mean tried or tested. So it's not necessarily when we're sinning, it's when we can also be uh, in fellowship with the Lord Jesus when we are being tested. Uh, he is able to aid those who are being tempted or tried. And I don't ask how he aids us. I just know that he does and he is there alongside us. And, and we need to, as far as we can, learn to draw closer to him. And it's a person that is saving us. It's not a theological concept. It is a, a living being who acts on our behalf, who is our advocate. And, and I think that's the, the most exciting thing about the Gospel, that we have a relationship with our Saviour in, in, in the here and now. Now, in um, Hebrews 5, verse 2, uh, I just want to draw something to your attention. Uh, the theme is compassion. It, it, it is not justice. Uh, even in the time of the law, we, we are told that the priest, um, the whole 
system was set up so the priest could have compassion on those that are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. And although Jesus did not sin, he was subject to weakness. And it was that experience that qualified him to, to, to understand us, to show compassion. And, and he was extremely and is extremely compassionate. Think of how he wept over Jerusalem. Uh, this happened just before the, those events that we read about in Luke 20, when he wanted to gather them as a hen gathers her chicks. The compassion comes out. And, and time and time again, he reached the person in their situation. Now, the point I'm trying to make, we, we need to understand Jesus in our present life, in this context. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, in Romans chapter 8, if you'd like to come with me now to Romans, the, the compassion and the understanding comes out in this chapter. And, and you mustn't be confused about this term Holy Spirit. I think people get very confused the moment the word Holy Spirit's mentioned. They either shy away from it or they, they get confused. Think of the Spirit of Jesus. It's a much simpler way of, 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 of doing it. Um, the only person who's qualified to be our advocate is, is the Lord Jesus. Uh, uh, he is the one who forgives our sins. He is the one who comes alongside us. And, and God has given him that authority. We've been told quite clearly in the Bible. So we read here in, in, in Romans 20, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I think you can sense the compassion here. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we have a per perfect mediator. On one hand he understands God's mind. On the other hand he understands our minds and hearts. And how do we know it's Jesus? Look here at verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. And I think it's to be aware of this intercession, to be aware of the fellowship that we have with, with this wonderful being who uh, has laid down his life for us. And um, I've been thinking a lot recently about people being delivered. Um, and, and we've recently had a wonderful parable, haven't we, of, of deliverance. Did any of you see those pictures about the earthquake in Haiti. There was a little, she couldn't have been much older than five, a little five-year-old girl who was in the rubble, I think, for three days. And, they, and the, the firemen pulled the rubble out and then they saw this little girl and they pulled her out of the rubble. And there's this most beautiful picture of joy that I've ever seen in my life. And, and, and this little girl's face lit up with a beautiful smile and she lifted up her hands to embrace her mother. 
and, and it was in the front of some of the newspapers and I've actually seen the video of it and it's the most moving description of joy that, that I've seen. And it's that sort of joy that Jude talks about. This is the joy that was set before Jesus. A joy that transcends the suffering of our human condition. A joy which we need to have as a vision in, in our hearts and minds. So let's go to Jude now before we take the bread and the wine and, 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 and try and focus on this wonderful work that Jesus has done and continues to do. Um, it's a process, isn't it? It's something that is dynamic. Uh, verse 21, um, halfway through the verse, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's all of us. We're crying out for this mercy. And in some have compassion, making a distinction. There's one group of people that need gentle handling. And God knows that. Jesus knows that. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. There we have uh, people like Lot, who have to be torn out of, of Sodom and Gomorrah for salvation. Uh, and, and so we, we, but either way, God is able to save us. And he goes on to say, verse 28, Now to him who is able to keep you from for a stumbling and to present you faultless. Isn't that wonderful? That I, you, whoever you are, can be presented faultless by virtue of our relationship to the Lord Jesus. And it's not an incomplete process. It's a complete, absolute process because of this. Uh, our, we can't, like the rich young man, come and get rubber stamped for our good works. It's, it's nothing like that. It's to do with the righteousness that comes from our Saviour. And to present you faultless, and this is the beautiful word here of the joy, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. That, that, that is the concept that I wanted to get across and, and it's all because of our relationship with Jesus. That is the, the way it, 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 it is done. And this is uh, what we've come to remember this morning. And the wonderful depth of his sacrifice. When uh, the, the, the uh, time of Passover has come, the real meaning of it. Not a stumbling block to us, but a wonderful stone that is going to form the temple of the household of God. And we have the enormous privilege of being part of that temple, even in the here and now, and of course in the age to come, a wonderful eternal joy that in our humanity we, 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 we struggle to even grasp the magnitude of it, but surely uh, it, it is a wonderful thing that God and His dear Son, the Lord Jesus, have uh, brought us to. Thank you very much, Peter, for your words and your encouragement. And so we come to the bread and the wine that uh, are the symbols we've been given to remind us of what Jesus has done, to remind us that Jesus died to, to demonstrate to us just how much we are loved. And before we share them together, I'd like us to sing, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died,
my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all Heavenly Father we thank you for this great gift of love symbolized in this bread O Lord, we are grateful to you that it is not just a past memory that we taste, but that we feast upon a present reality. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you we can find our hunger for righteousness fed, our need for forgiveness pardoned, we thank you, Lord, that in this sharing we can find ourselves part of each other, your true body. And in this sharing, Lord, we pledge again to remain in you, our only hope. So, Lord, receive our prayer and make up what is missing in it to the praise and glory of our God. Amen. Well, let's share together the bread that reminds us we are part of Christ's body and reminds us of that body broken for us. We come now to focus on this wine the symbol of your blood shed for us. And Lord, we want to say thank you. Thank you for saving us. Saving us from the pain and suffering that, that could consume us by coming alongside us and helping us and comforting us by sharing in our pain by showing us Lord a glorious hope this wine of the new covenant that we will drink with you in your kingdom Lord thank you for this glorious hope and we pray that you will be with us now as you promised to be that you will be alongside us that your home will be in us as you promised so that we can move forward with you so that we can grow and become strong in you through the things that happen to us through the things that we can do for others we pray that you will bless us now as we share this wine and we pray, Lord, for your kingdom to come. The kingdom that you will set up for your Father. And Lord God, we thank you that you've planned this for us. That you've planned this for the whole world. That we might all be saved and rest in your presence. Thank you. Amen. As we share this wine together, we think of his bloodshed and our sins forgiven, our lives cleansed.
Thank you for being here this morning, everybody. Um, and thank you for those of you who have taken a lead in the service and helped me out. Derek's going to close in prayer for us after we sing our last song. Just sing this song together. Tony, we just play it through a little bit. Well, uh, Peter's been talking about Jesus being alongside us and he's died for us and rose again for our uh, what's the word? justification but it, that wasn't a one off thing he's with us all the time and I'd like us to sing this together maybe it's hard to sing I know for me some of this is aspirational and I, I'm not very good but I want to try so I thought it would be nice to uh, as we embark on this this new week to commit ourselves into Jesus' hands and to walk in with him. Our loving and most wonderful Heavenly Father, what an experience we've had this morning to listen to the enthusiasm and the powerful word from Scripture your wonderful son Jesus his purpose completed with your love and your determination to show the world that Jesus can live with us and this wonderful family here Heavenly Father we're brothers and sisters your sons and daughters experiencing this determination to go out into the world and be joyful and to be thankful and to give praise to you wherever we can give praise to the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us and this exhortation for us to remember that Jesus is always alongside us and will always be with us as long as we put our trust in him. So Heavenly Father we're so thankful that we have been together sharing this family relationship and experiencing the reality of our wonderful faith in you and the Lord Jesus. We're truly, truly thankful and we pray that this experience will take us into this coming week and for the rest of our lives, looking forward to that wonderful day when you will prepare a place for us at that wonderful table where we can share that wine all together in that kingdom prepared for us. So, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time. Please be with us, remain with us always. And Lord Jesus, help us to always remember that wonderful example that you've given us. Please be with us always, because I ask this, we ask this, in your name, your wonderful name, and for your sake. Amen.